My name is Andy. I'm part of the staff here at Hope Des Moines, and every once in a while they uh, trust me enough to get up here and, and preach a little bit, so I'm going to try not to screw that up this morning. So uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet or to hear your story, uh, I, I don't even really like giving sermons. The reason why I got into ministry was just to hang out with people. Uh, and so if you uh, want to get together sometime, if you want to connect, I would love to just hear the story and hear what God's been doing in your life because God's been doing some amazing things in this community and with this building campaign and all this stuff that's going on, uh, is the church, we're really busy right now, uh, but I'm even more excited about uh, what we're going to be on the other side of all this stuff. So there's a lot of things to get excited for uh, this morning. And one of the things I want you to get excited for this morning is the fact that I have a question to ask you. I want to start this morning by hitting you with a question. Okay, I'm not actually going to hit you with it, but I want you to answer it, right? I want you not just to hear it and let it roll off. I want you to think about it. I want it to knock some of your thinking loose. But before I do that, I probably need to set the stage so that you can understand and the question will make sense. And the way that I'm going to do that this morning is showing you one of the funniest YouTube videos I think that I have ever seen. Are you ready to laugh this morning? Yes. All right, good, good. And here's the thing. I hope you came in this morning. I hope you fasten your seatbelt in our portable chairs there, all right? Because this baby, this video, this video could probably change your life. Let's take a look. Okay, so for this prank, what I did was I built this car seat costume. And uh, what I'm going to do with this costume is I'm going to put it on and I'm going to go through a drive-thru. And uh, I'm going to show you how it looks in the inside of the car with this costume on. I don't even know what you say after you watch something like that, right? But I think it's interesting the reactions that you got. Notice how many people turn to their prayer life, right? They start saying, oh my God. Here's the question I want to hit you with this morning, and I think when we look at a video like that, yeah, it may not change your life, but I tell you what, it gets us thinking about something pretty powerful. And it gets to this question that I want to ask you this morning. Who's driving the car, right? Isn't that the, the answer that they're, the, the question that they're asking in that video? They want to know who is driving the car. Yeah, that video is not life-changing, but it's still a great movie because it gets us thinking about, not just in a, in a literal sense this morning, right, but in a spiritual sense. As we look at our lives, who is driving the car? Who is it that's behind the wheel? I mean, when was the last time that someone looked at your life and they said, am I tripping, son? Right? <laughs> now, I know some of you maybe have provoked that kind of response from people, but I'm talking about for, for good reasons, right, in, a, in, a, in an unintentional way. Right? When was the last time somebody looked at your life and they had to do three double takes through the drive through window? I still don't understand what he thought he was going to saw, <laughs> what he was going to see. Maybe he was looking for that. Right? But when the people look at your life, and this is something we have to think about as followers of Jesus, especially with the place that God has put us as a community, as Hope Des Moines, right here smack dab in the middle of Des Moines, we have to ask these questions. When people look at your life, who do they see at the wheel? Who are the people in your life, when people look at your life, who is it that's getting the credit? Is it possible for them to explain away all of the amazing things that are happening to you? Right? When you're driving the car that is your life, when you invite people in, what is it that they see? Who is calling the shots? And more importantly, as a follower of Jesus, can your life be completely articulated through reason? Right? Can your life, can the work that God's been doing in your life, can it be explained away or can it be rationalized? 
right? Or has God done something in your life? Can you point to the things in your life? And are you living in such a way where the only explanation is that God got you through it, that God showed up? We're looking at this this morning because I want to ask you this question, and here's the bottom line. I think the thing that we need to be thinking about this morning as we watch funny videos about cars without drivers. When people look at your life, would they describe you, if you had to get one word from them or maybe a couple words, would they describe you as somebody who's natural, who's just kind of a normal person, fits in, it just nothing's off, nothing's weird, nothing's strange, nothing... There's nothing that kind of even captures your attention or your imagination. Would they describe you as natural or would they describe you as supernatural? And we asked that question this morning because it's a really important question for us to explore because, again, because the season of the church that we're in and the place that God has put us, we are surrounded by a world that is dying to know if God is real. Right? They've gotten the religious routine. They've heard all the people. I mean, I was just at the farmer's market yesterday, and I was completely distracted the entire time by this guy telling and yelling at people to repent. Right? Turn or burn, essentially, was his message. People have heard that. They've seen that. They know what they're supposed to do. But the question that they're asking and the question that we need to be thinking about, I think, is followers of Jesus, people that have signed on and said, yes, God, I want to be a part of this adventure known as discipleship. People are asking if believing in God means anything for our life. Right? They know what they're supposed to do. They just want to know if it makes any difference. Right, so we've been wrapping up, we're wrapping up this sermon series today, it's called Living the Story, and as if, if you can't tell already this morning, we're going to talk about yet another fundamental question for us as we live the story. A year ago, we walked through God's entire story, and it was quite an experience, 31 weeks looking from Genesis all the way to Revelation, right? But now we've been looking these last eight weeks as, what does it mean, right? It's one thing to read the Bible and understand it, but it's a whole other thing to go out there and live in a way that understands and matches up with what the Bible teaches. And so for the last eight weeks, we've been looking about relationships. We've been looking about and asking this question, how do we hear God's voice, right? And last week, John did a great job walking us through the power of coming clean, right? These things, confession and forgiveness and, and community, are they all just things that we're supposed to be going through? Are you just here this morning just to check something else off the list, to go through the motions. And maybe you are, and if you are, that's okay. But if that's you this morning, I also want to let you know there is so much more to the picture than maybe what you're seeing right now. God has so much more. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it to the fullest. And as we've been going through this sermon series, Living the Story, that's been our goal, to begin to understand what does it mean to live the story in a way that's fitting with the inheritance that we've received from God. So we've been talking about these things, and today we're going to dive into what does it look like to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? That is to balance with the people around us what we naturally are, right? In our relationship, God, the, the things that we naturally are with the supernatural things that God wants to do in us and through us. Will you turn to the person next to you this morning and say, hey, you're supernatural, baby. Because it's true. 
It's absolutely true. And some of you are like, you know what? I hear that all the time. Thank you for telling me again. And other people, we look at this question, we say here this morning, we say, there's no way, right? I grew up as a Lutheran. I mean, I'm even freaked out we don't have green hymnals here. How on earth can I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? But the truth is that we do. And in Christ, we can. And I want to tell you this morning that it changes everything when we quit fighting or ignoring the Holy Spirit and we start inviting him into our life. So again, I want to bring you back to this question that we already started with this morning. When people look at your life from a distance, where are you at with this? When people look at your life, what do they see? Do they see you calling the shots? Do they see God or do they see you? Do they see someone who's natural or supernatural. Now, we probably know what you'd say if I asked you this morning about the guys, the characters in our Bible reading, right? Peter, John, a couple heroes of the faith. If you ask them, well, do you think they're natural or do you think they're more supernatural? We're probably all going to come to the same conclusion. I mean, they just healed a guy on their way to church, right? Anybody heal anybody this morning, right? A guy who couldn't walk. I mean, we were just talking about the story back there this morning. I mean, how atrophied must his muscles have been, right? How desperate did he have to have been being so paralyzed for so long and yet if you ask these guys if you asked about these guys clearly they were supernatural but if we're honest this morning and if we look at the bigger picture because the scriptures just give us a snapshot in time right acts 3 is just a picture and just a chapter in the story if we look at the bigger picture even a couple chapters earlier we can see that it wasn't always the easiest question for us to answer so if you got your bibles this morning i want to invite you to turn to acts chapter one and if you have the bibles that we've got at the end of the rows this morning it's on page 830 and i really would love to have you along for the journey with us this morning because these words they change everything and it's one thing to hear a pastor say them to you it's another to read them for yourself page 830 acts chapter 1. And as we dive into this morning, we have to understand that Jesus and his disciples have been on this journey together. For three years, he's walked with these guys. He's been claiming that he's the Son of God, and he's been doing these supernatural things. But then Jesus has this little thing happen to him, right? Or he chooses to die on a cross, and all of a sudden, the disciples have to say, okay, bye-bye, Jesus, and they're left on their own. And that's where Acts picks up the story when the disciples have been left to their own and they're trying to figure out what to do. So Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4, Jesus, as he's, since he's gone and, and risen up to heaven, he begins appearing to his disciples again, finishing the instruction he's been giving them. And he says to them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he's promised. I'm in verse 4. As I told you, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But the disciples, for them, that's not enough. That's not enough. There's a promise there, and that could be enough to set them free, to give them hope and to give them courage. But they're not quite supernatural people yet. They still have some questions for Jesus. And so in verse 6, they just fire away. And here's what I love about a good question. The questions that you ask put all of your cards on the table. As they ask this question, what do we come to understand this morning about these disciples? Verse 6, so when the apostles were here with Jesus, when they were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel, to restore 
our kingdom. They're asking him, God, is it time for you to come and clean house? Right? You've been telling us all along about how we're going to have this new nation. We're going to have this freedom. We're going to have all these things. We're going to have this life, and we're going to have this life to the full, right? And they believe that it's going to come through the oppressors, the physical oppression that they're experiencing being kicked out of their territory. And Jesus hears this, and I got to think, as he, knew, as he listened to them ask this question, he probably knew that it was coming, but he's just thinking, oh man, you guys haven't seen anything yet. And so this is how he responds in verse 7. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So basically, he does what I do in a lot of Q&A sessions. He punts. He says, I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you ask the big guy upstairs, right? But then he does something profound. He gives them Acts 1.8. And again, as I've been talking about already this morning, the contents of this verse, if this is true, it means profound things for how we live the story. Here's what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The disciples, they go to Jesus and they want to ask this question, God, is it time for you to activate the plan? Are you going to come and are you going to, come and you're going to dominate these people around us? And Jesus says, well, not yet. Not yet. In fact, it may look a little different than you do, but I'll tell you what you are going to get. This power that you want, this power that you desire, it's going to come to you in a different way and it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. When that power shows up, you're going to become my witnesses. You're going to become the kind of people that no longer are just living in darkness, right? Who don't have any power, but you're going to become the kind of people if I can find the switch, who bring the light into the darkness. See, the thing is that God has called each of us here this morning to be a witness. And if we're going to be a witness, then we have to have the power, right? What good is a lamp if you never plug it in? And so that's what I want to ask you this morning. As you sit here and as we talk about being natural or supernatural, do you feel like you're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Because God wants to plug you in and he's got a gazillion watt light bulb that he wants to install into your life. Right? It sounds pretty cool. It sounds pretty interesting. But the thing is, God's not going to give us the power, right, unless it's aimed in the right direction. And that is towards representing people, this idea of being a witness. And if you've read God's story, if you've encountered it before, then you think, okay, I begin to get a sense. Like, this makes sense. Right? God is on this mission to put the world back together, and I get to be a part of it. Right? But if you're just new to this adventure, maybe you've never had a chance to look at the entire narrative as it goes. And you're thinking, I mean, why would God want to call witnesses? Like, is he in a courtroom or something? And the reality is that God's not in the courtroom. He's in the world. And he wants to be visible. And he wants his, he wants his story and his word and his love to move forward, and not just in some sissy way, right? In some weak and boring and irrelevant way, but in a way with power. Did anybody ever watch Tim the Toolman Taylor growing up? That show, Home Improvement, thank you. I've already got the grunts going on, right? This entire sermon, as I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, all I can think about is more power. Got to have more power. And he managed to put more power on everything from a 1972 station wagon 
right, to the toothbrush that his kids used. And the thing is that God wants to do that for us this morning and in our lives as well. But the thing is, if any of this is ever going to happen, if we're going to experience this power, then we probably need a little help. And, and so Jesus makes this promise that the Holy Spirit's going to come, and in the very next chapter, it does. It does. And I love what John was saying in the announcements today about, um, you know, there was just, there, honestly, they saw this group of people, and the Holy Spirit showed up. And you know what they thought happened? They thought that the people had had too much to drink. And I can just picture this in my head as, as Jesus is tagging in the Holy Spirit, right? Because they're a trinity, because they're a team. As he tags in the Holy Spirit, I can just picture him. I don't even know what movie it's from, but I've just heard, have you ever heard that quote, say hello to my little friend, right? And he hits the Holy Spirit Jesus bomb button and everything changes. Jesus says, say hello to my little friend. The, the only difference is that it's not his little friend. It's not even his big friend. It's, it's the presence of God showing up in an absolutely powerful way. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, God is on the move. And things begin to happen, and, and unexplainable things begin to take place. And if you ever need to see a picture of what it looks like to have God on the move, then I would just invite you to take a look at the life of Jesus. Look no further than the life of Jesus because that guy, that guy embodied the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that, right? That Jesus is our model for how to live life in power of the Holy Spirit. And you would think I would know that for sure. I mean, as a pastor, I mean, for crying out loud, I paid thousands of dollars to go to school to learn how to be a pastor and to study the Bible, right? You would think I know that Jesus has the power of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe I'm like everybody else. And every once in a while, I need a little reminder. And that happened for me as I was prepping for a meeting I had just a couple weeks ago. And I've had some conversations with people since that have been very much the same thing. I just, for this meeting, I had to read my Bible. Who would have thunk? You work at a church and you have to read your Bible to show up to a meeting, right? We don't do that all the time. Sometimes we just talk. I mean, we only work one day a week anyway, so it's not like we spend lots of time doing these things, right? No, but I was meeting for this meeting, and I thought, oh my gosh, I actually went into this. The assignment was to read the entire book of Mark in one sitting. That's 16 chapters. Do you know how hard that is for me to sit still that long? I was going into this thinking, seriously, I have to do this. As I'm preparing to read God's word, I'm beginning to think about all the things that I have to do or should be doing. But let me tell you, I don't think I'm ever going to forget this, you guys. As I'm reading the book of Mark, God began to blow me away. I mean, I began to, to feel this feeling, and, and I, I couldn't figure it out. It was like my emotions were getting in front of me, and I just began to feel this sense, this, this presence, this, this joy that was welling up inside of me. And I'm sitting there reading, and I'm like beginning to flip the pages faster and faster and faster. And, and finally, I was able to put this, this feeling that I had into words, and it's, it was incredibly theologically profound. I said, I think I really like this Jesus guy which is silly for us, especially someone, a pastor, to say, but you guys, have you taken the time to look at the Scripture? I mean, let me just read. If you have your Bibles, just turn to Mark really quick because I, I want to flip through this and just read you even some of the, past, the, the titles of the paragraphs, right? I mean, Mark starts with John the Baptist preparing the way in the baptism of Jesus where God comes and he speaks to him and he says, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. And he calls his disciples... 
right? And in verse 29 of chapter 1, I mean, the very beginning, Jesus heals many people, right? He goes on and, and he preaches, right? And then he heals some more people. And in chapter 2, he heals some more people. And he calls more disciples and he talks about fasting. And, and you're not going to believe this, but he starts healing more people. And that's just the first two chapters, Right, it's this exciting story that God's living and this interesting thing happens as you get to John chapter 3 in verse 8. And this is what it says, and I've got this up on the screen. It says, the news about his miracles had spread far and wide. And vast numbers of people came to see him. And why is that? Because Jesus was doing something that made it very clear that it wasn't just him driving the car but it was God, right? Why did the clouds flock to Jesus? Because Jesus was supernatural. Because when Jesus showed up, heaven came to earth. Do you ever long for that? I mean, do you ever just wonder, what does it look like to have more power in my relationship with God? Well, the reality is if we want more relationship with God, if we want more to it, more power, then we have to ask God for it. And here's the crazy thing this morning is that God believes that you can do the things that he did. And in case you think I'm crazy, I put the Bible verse up on the screen to prove it. Let's go to the next slide. Look at what Jesus says about you sitting here this morning. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, that anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, even greater works. Now, I don't know exactly how you top raising somebody from the dead, but apparently Jesus believes that we can do that. And I know God is on the move in this, this community that's gathered here. I mean, in our church, but not just in our church, but in our city. God's doing some amazing things. And if we're going to witness and reflection and be a reflection of Jesus to the world around us, then we probably should have our supernatural lives figured out as well. I like the way that the Apostle Paul puts this, and this verse is on the screen too, and let's read this together this morning. Paul says, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it is living by God's power. Are you living in the power? We know that Jesus was this exciting supernatural character. I mean, he did stuff nobody else could explain, but he was also this great balancer, not just the supernatural, but the natural as well, right? He had compassion on people. He had relationships with people. I mean, he was always approachable. And so here's this guy that could heal people, but people weren't afraid to go up to him. They weren't intimidated by him. And so we understand that Jesus wasn't just supernatural, right? But he was naturally supernatural as well. And that's exactly what God has called us as a church to be. And so this morning, I want you to remember that. I want to give you a quiz. And I'm wondering, this is, this is who we're called to be as a church, not just as a community, right? But as as uh, individuals as well. But as, as a church, as Lutheran Church of Hope, we've prioritized this and said we're supposed to be focused on uh, several things. And so I want to put this up here for this morning. And I want to give you a second to talk to your neighbor about it. As a church, God has called us to be a blank, blank, and blank community filled with hope. We used to give you quizzes like this all the time. We haven't done it in a while. So, right? Has God called us to be a unique, spiritual, and focused my favorite, a selfish, awful, and stubborn community filled with hope. Some of you are like, yeah, I'd sign up for that, right? Has God called us to be a spirited, growing, and Christ-centered? Has God called us to be beautiful, awesome, and amazing? Just take 10 seconds, turn the person next to you, and lock in your answer. All right, what do you got? 
See, absolutely. You can go to the next slide. If you want to understand the heart of our church and why we talk about things like this, it's because our vision, and let's read this together, is to be a spirited, growing, and Christ-centered community filled with hope. As you walked in here this morning, is that what you're experiencing? Because God believes that you can and God wants you to, and we believe that we have the power in Christ to be naturally supernatural people. Now, if you want to understand and if you want to figure out how do I become naturally supernatural, then you probably need to know a little something about the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, if you're going to play with fire, you don't want to get burned. So what I want to do is just spend the rest of the time this morning just giving you a couple things that you should know about the Holy Spirit. No, there will not be a quiz on this. But if we're going to be spirited, Christ-centered, and growing people, I mean, if we're going to be the kind of people that go to our jobs and people look at us and they say, am I tripping? What's going on? Right? I mean, what is your story? What's going on? Then we need to understand a few things about the Holy Spirit. And the first thing I want you to know about the Holy Spirit this morning is that he is a Cyclone fan. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you may not see that right now because we keep getting killed. But the Holy Spirit's in you, right? Do you have tangible proof too? Right? Yeah. It just means the Holy Spirit's working overtime because we like to be humbled. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm kidding about that. He's, he's not a Hawkeye fan either, right? The Holy Spirit's uh, in all of us who are in Christ. But, but what you do need to know is that the Holy Spirit is a person, right? It's no different than Jesus or God the Father. I mean, he's part of the Trinity and he's inseparable, and because of that, he's got the same mission. He wants to work to put the world back together again. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about this, and he's telling his disciples, you're going to be on your own for a little while, but the helper is going to come. And the word that he actually uses is translated to counselor or advocate. This advocate is on your side, and here's what you really need to know about the Holy Spirit. This advocate that comes is here to empower you to live God's will. If you've ever tried to be good, if you've ever tried to think to yourself, if only I could do a little more, the reality is, John says this, and Jesus says this in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the Holy Spirit's job to grow you. You cannot change yourself. It's the Holy Spirit's job, and we listen and respond to the Holy Spirit for us to grow, to convict us of our sin. There's, there's a bunch of ways that he does this, and the first one is convicting us of our sin, and we talked about that last week. How's that been going for you, right? When you get that conscience, right, that little thing that's reminding you about something that's not quite right in your life, that's the Holy Spirit. Are you paying attention to that, right? The Holy Spirit does miracles. That's part of it. Maybe not big flashy things all the time, but... As we move on a little bit later, I, I think sometimes we focus a little on just the supernatural, right? But what if we're called to be naturally supernatural? But, but the important thing and the other way that the Holy Spirit works in our lives is just by guiding us as human beings. And let me tell you, as human beings, we need all of the help and guidance that we can get. Amen? Amen. I had a chance to be a guide one time, and it's actually the place, some of you may not know this, but it's the, the place where I met my wife was as a raft guide. I got a chance to work uh, in Montana, and not just any part of Montana, but, uh, but western Montana. The eastern part looks more like a desert, and it's kind of boring, right? But I got a chance to work in Glacier National Park as a raft guide. And let me tell you, that is God's country, 
all right? And my job, and I made like $1.25 an hour to do this, was to get people, people's children and youth groups for this Bible camp that I worked for from the Canadian border all the way down to the end of where the two forks of the Flathead River meet. It was like a four-day rafting trip. But this wasn't just a trip on any river. It was a wild and scenic river, which means they don't do anything to it. It's federally protected and they can't do anything. And so this baby had some serious rapids, right? And there are trees that fall down. Did I mention the fact that there are grizzly bears walking around and we're cooking like these delicious meals and then walking 10 feet away and sleeping in our tents, right? It, I had the time of my life and I probably went into debt to do it, but it was fantastic. That is until the group showed up. Right? I had these people like from Minnesota, right? Minnesotans, they have more water than land there, apparently. I married a Minnesotan. I'm probably going to get corrected on this, right? They should be used to the water and how it all kind of works, at least in my opinion, right? But here's what happened, especially there's one group in particular. I mean, it was just, it was just a week like none other. First of all, this group shows up and they come and they're all wearing their flip-flops in the wilderness, Right? The nearest paved road is like 20 miles away. We're on this backcountry mountain road. I'm driving this, this, this van with a trailer from like the 1970s. Sorry about that. Right? And we're on our way, and they show up, and they don't even have their proper footwear, and they're mad at me when the trail isn't paved. When the walk from the van where I drop them off to the water isn't paved, right? We're in the wilderness. And I had to tell them that, right? They wouldn't even listen to my instructions, and there are some serious things. Like, you can, you can get pretty injured pretty quick on whitewater rafting, but they're whacking each other with the paddles. They're like, hey, check this out. Boop. I just spanked you, right? And I'm like, seriously, are we going to do this or not? These are teenagers, so I guess what did I expect? But the point that sent me over the edge, the point that just drove me absolutely crazy is when we're getting into the boats, and we had like four boats, we're going... And this, she had to have been like a freshman girl in high school, and no offense to the ladies, but she gets in there, and she's climbing the boat, and she just, she sticks her toe in like this, and she goes, oh, oh, she, and she looked at me like she was shocked, and she goes, you're not going to believe this, that water is freezing. And I looked at her, and I said, do you know where you are? This is called Glacier National Park. Do you know what a glacier is, right? Do you see that mountain with that snow on it? Do you see this water that's going down and dumping into the river that you're getting into, right? It's melted snow. It's freezing, right? If I let these people go on this journey by themselves, the last thing that they need to do, the last thing that would ever happen would be for them to survive. There is just no way. There's no way. They probably would have starved to death or drowned or something. Who knows? Maybe the grizzly bears would have got them. But they needed a guide. And Jesus looks at you and I and he says the very same thing. He says, I've got this mission for you, this massive mission for you. And it involves not you just being natural, but being naturally supernatural. And if you're going to do this, you need this helper. You need this advocate to come and to work on your behalf. And so you might be asking yourself this morning, Andy, I've been a Christian for a long time and I have experienced the Holy Spirit maybe in little ways. But what about this power? I mean, really, where is the Holy Spirit right now? Because I look at my life and I think people see me driving the car and I don't know what to do about it. But the reality is that, and Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, is that God sees us, the Holy Spirit shows up in 
the impact that the Holy Spirit has around us, not just in the miracles that we do, but it's in the little things, right? It's not just the supernatural, but the naturally supernatural. I think sometimes we get out of this, right? So the fruits of the Spirit, and we'll put those up on the screen. These are the things that make you naturally supernatural. I mean, yes, God wants to do miracles. And as we're praying for this building campaign, as, as we go out after the service and lay out our dreams for this church, do we want to have big, lofty goals? Do we want to see God do incredible things? Absolutely. We want to see the supernatural. And I have story after story. In fact, I heard some of them from people this week through a little email that I sent out. They just said, those things are happening. But I want you to know this morning, it's not just in the big things, in the spiritual highs, but it's in the low things, it's the little things that may seem insignificant. It's in the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, and everything else, including faithfulness and self-control. God wants to do incredible things through all of us, and I hope that you believe that this morning. But I wonder if sometimes we don't think that as we look at this story, like in Acts chapter 3 that we heard this morning, where a guy is healed, where we don't just puff it up a little too much. I mean, they pray for healing, and healing happens. But if we look at that again, what they're really doing is meeting the needs of the world around them. There's a guy that can't walk, right? He's looking for money. And they don't have money, but they have something else. And it's something powerful. It's the thing that gives us hope, unlike anything else that we could believe. So just as I close today, I just want you to think about this. What if being naturally supernatural looks maybe less like people that can't walk learning to walk? I mean, that's part of it. And make, make no mistake about what I'm saying. God wants to heal people. And if you need healing in any sense today, we're going to pray for it in the back if you're up for it. Let's do it. But what if it also looks a little more like the day-to-day as well? What if the little things, not just the big things, are deeply supernatural. What if it looks a little more like a guy that I saw in a video this week named Dion? Dion's a police officer who works in the downtown area of Los Angeles, Skid Row. And as you take a look at this video, I want you to see, is the Holy Spirit at work in Dion's life? And could it be at work in this way in yours? Let's take a look. I think that's a great example of what Jesus meant as he showed up again to his disciples who had to have been absolutely scared. Who knew this mission, this heart, this plan that God had for the world and they're just thinking, how is this ever going to happen? Right? I love how Dion talks about that driving force that's at work in his life, but this is again what Jesus says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. And where is that everywhere for you today? For Dion, it's Skid Row. For you, is it work? Is it your home? Is it the neighborhood that you live in? Yes, Jesus was supernatural, but he also was natural. And as a spirited, Christ-centered, and growing community filled with hope, we are called to be absolutely the same. Would you stand with me this morning, please?